Hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast, a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectine. <laughs> and Tulsa played in their first American Athletic Conference football championship game yesterday. And man, it was the epitome of a knockdown, drag out fight. The Hurricane took number six slash number nine in the college football playoff Cincinnati to the wire. Fell just short, though, as Cole Smith from the Bearcats hit a game-winning 34-yard field goal as time expired. And that bookends the regular season with losses, unfortunately, but we had six straight incredible and like mind-bending wins in between those losses, which made this really, honestly, a very special season. Uh, incredibly happy to be a part of it with all of you. Uh, it was a tough loss against Cincy, but Tulsa absolutely proved that they belonged in that championship game. And those guys played their absolute hearts out for a full 60 minutes on the road in the pouring rain as 14-point underdogs to the Bearcats. What a game. Came out on the wrong side of it, but man, what an entertaining game that was. And the reward for playing so well against those lauded uh, Bearcats was only a one-spot drop in the polls, which very pleasantly surprised about that. Uh, if I were a betting man, I would have bet that we would have fallen out of that after that loss. But no, we are number 24 now after being number 23 previously. And a bowl game against Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs from the SEC on December 30th. So extremely, extremely excited about that one. Uh, we will recap that conference championship game. Talk very, very briefly about the upcoming bowl game. We'll do a full preview of that next week uh, because that game's on the 30th. So we'll put out the full episode of that preview. Uh, next week and then we will do a little bit of recap on some postseason awards that TU's gotten so far uh, look what happened on national signing day and some more so lots of fun stuff and some not fun stuff also to remember from yesterday but also some fun stuff so let's get to it stay golden hurricane So yesterday, championship game day, big day, 14-point underdogs to Cincinnati. Tulsa came out, and honestly, I don't know. I mean, there were lots of good parts of that game. There were there were definitely some bad parts as well. We'll break down the good and the bad like we usually do. But I was, I was pretty pleased. You know, I've had a day to basically sit back and think about that game, uh, take some notes on it, uh, look back at some plays, the play-by-play, all of that. And overall, I, you know, Hard to be more proud of that Tulsa team. 14-point underdogs having to go on the road to play this conference championship game. They, Cincinnati didn't, you know, necessarily earn that spot to play it at home. They were the hiring team. They got the tiebreaker or whatever, but we didn't have the, the head-to-head against them in the regular season like we all would have wanted. And, you know, talk of the town on Twitter was if if that game gets played in Tulsa, there's a really good shot Tulsa wins that game. I You know, I think probably more than, more than 50% of the time they would win it. Uh, based on how they played against the Bearcats. And all that being said, you know, incredibly proud of how they how they looked, how they played. Some really tough breaks there at the end. Um, but, you know, the pleasant, you know, part of this is that a lot of the mentality going in was the American has this thing booked. You know, they're going to do everything they can to get Cincinnati in, you know, playoff, quote-unquote, position, uh, or at least get them into the New York's New Year's Six game. 
and the deck is stacked against Tulsa. And honestly, watching that game, I didn't. It didn't feel like that. I don't think anybody really thought that. There weren't any crazy calls against Tulsa or against Cincinnati. I thought it was a pretty fair game. Uh, I was really, I was entertained the entire time. Uh, it was a nail biter, man. Obviously, game down to the last second. You know, game winning field goal. I was pleased. I mean, obviously, I would have would have liked the win. We were right there to grab it. But all things considered, um, I thought it was a hell of a championship game. Really proud of the team. What are your uh, What did you think about the game overall? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I would say if you run this game, even having it been in Cincinnati and you play it again, I think there's a good shot we would have won. Um, just because a lot of it comes down to that you know that last drive with the off uh offsides like that comes down to it i thought we really mm-hmm. helped we made cincinnati look like an average team yeah um in the sense that like i think that speaks to how strong or how well the, like we matched up against them because they've been putting up 40 30 plus points and we held them to 27 we put up like almost 200 rushing yards against the best rushing team in the conference <laughs> Like, we, I think, should have played. Like, yeah, I'm frustrated that they got the free home game. I'm frustrated that um, we didn't get a chance to play them in back-to-back weeks because I think, honestly, like, as much as I said in our however many recaps we actually had covering (laughs) this matchup, like, I think there's a good chance we could have won the second game. Um, Previews, I guess you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, previews. Um. And so, I don't know. I think my biggest, the only thing I'm frustrated by is that, like, this is a championship caliber defense that, and, like, championship caliber running game, but we're just, like, I don't know. Our Achilles heel this year has been our passing game, and mm-hmm. that's just kind of frustrating because, I don't know. I think this is my take. I think if we had put Davis Brin in at some point, either at halftime or in the third quarter, I think we would have won this game. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue that the passing game was the weak point. I mean, it obviously was Zach Smith, 13 of 30 for 166 yards. He did have a touchdown pass there to tie the game at the end of the game. And that was a nice throw uh, to be fair, but he did have two interceptions, which one of them was, was late ish, you know, and that one really hurt. The other one was on our first drive uh, on offense. And so not a great game from Zach. I mean, you know, it was raining, uh, whatever, but he got straight up outplayed, you, you know, even through the air through with through by Desmond Ritter's arm. And that's not what Desmond Ritter is known for, right? He's a QB who's known to be a runner and obviously Ritter is going to outrun Zach Smith, but you're hoping that Smith is going to outthrow him. And that straight up didn't happen. Ritter looked like the better quarterback in pretty much every way yesterday. No interceptions had a touchdown. I think he was 19 of 29 or something. Um, Zach did get hit pretty hard a few times back there, but you know, that doesn't, you know, obviously that doesn't help him, but there were some clean pockets as well where the ball just ducked around in the air for a while and didn't really end up doing anything and either just way short or overthrown and rain or not. I mean, it didn't happen to Desmond Ritter and it, it happened to Zach Smith. So I don't know what the, what happened there or, or what, but you know, even, even during the game, um, some commentators were talking about how you know, it snowed so hard in Tulsa and it, it did. It snowed like crazy. So it's been wet this whole week, basically. And they were talking about how Zach's been practicing with a wet ball. And it, I don't know, it didn't really show in the game because he looked he looked pretty rough. About Davis Brin, I'm with you, I think. I would have liked to see him come in there. 
I knew that wasn't going to happen. Like, there's just no way. I, my mind, seriously, would have been just blown if Davis Brand came in that game, especially with how close it was. And I mean, it was close, you know? It was, I right. mean, I, I get it. I get it. Like, it, it was close, but, like, Zach wasn't playing well. <laughs> so, therefore, it maybe could have been not close on in favor of Tulsa if we had a guy out there throwing the ball a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, I, I get your frustration with that for sure. Yeah, and I mean, so I was just rewatching the uh, like ten minute recap that they do just to make sure everything was fresh right before we started recording, and like he could have had three, like that ball that Sam Crawford somehow caught for oh, yeah. fifty four yard reception. Yes. Wow, what like, a catch! Also, that was intercepted twice before it was caught by Crawford. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, that guy. I mean, he it was double coverage, right? Like Crawford was beat down the field by two guys. Zach just chucked it up there, and Crawford came down with an amazing catch. But, yeah, that was a, an ill-advised throw for sure. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. Outside the passing, though, like defense, once again, kept us in the game for a long time, kept us coming back, uh, caused two fumbles. Um, and look at uh, So we scored 24, uh, or Cincinnati scored 27 against us. And since he hadn't been held under 30 since October 3rd, which was their third game, They've only been held under 30. This is the third time, and not at all since they started like really playing well uh, against SMU after that South Florida game. 42 points against SMU, 49 against Memphis. Then you've got 38, you've got 55, and, an, and then a 36, their last game against UCF. So defense, once again, stepped up to the plate and got a lot to talk about on the defensive side as well, and I'm sure we'll get there. But again, like, answered the bell. And, man, like, if we had... There's always something with every team, you know. I'm sure there's always something that everyone's like, man, if we just had this one thing, that would be the answer. But, like, when it's your quarterback, that is, like, the biggest thing to be like, man, if we just had this one thing, we'd be so good. So that kind of hurts uh, hurts to think about. And it's still an unknown, I, you know, with Davis because we've only seen him for, like, a quarter and a half. But, man, he looked good for that quarter and a half, and I can't uh, can't get that out of my head. So until he comes out and looks not that good. My, you know, my, my perception is always going to be, man, if we had Davis Brennan there, we'd be rolling these dudes. Well, and it's tough. Cause I feel like if we, even if we had the Zach Smith of last year, like we'd be, we would have been amazing this year. It's just, he's had, he definitely had a step down from last year to this year. And I mean, like, I know there's a lot of factors going into this season, but uh, it's just, yeah. He threw, what, 3,000 yards last year. His completion rate was, like, 57, which isn't great, but, I mean, he, had, he was at, like, a 55 this year. And, like, he almost threw as many interceptions this year as he did all of last year with four extra games last year. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I think 2019 Zach Smith would have won the conference for us this year. That's how I see it. Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, because – I don't know who would have saw this coming. Maybe somebody, but not me. Like this was Zach last year was Zach Smith's first year back. You know, he, he sat the, he sat out a year after transferring from Baylor. And so last year he honestly looked, you know, pretty good. And we were like, okay. And this is his first year back. You know, he first year with the new offense, new coach, new everything, new personnel around him. And it's just going to get better. You know, his senior year, he's going to want to end with a bang. And I'm sure that's what he wants. I mean, I mean, he's doing his damnedest out there. You can tell he's frustrated with himself sometimes, but, uh, man it's just it's been rough at times out there for him so you know i i'm not again especially for a bowl game it's not gonna happen like montgomery is gonna want to ride the senior and let him go out with a bang hopefully 
and uh, I'm not, we're not going to see Davis Brennan in the bowl game, I don't think, by any means. But it would be cool. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be excited if we, if he trotted out there one time. But, uh, you know, maybe if we're up by a ton. If Mississippi State, they're 3-7. and seven. SEC team, who knows? Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll, we'll get to see Davis. But another, talk for another day. Um, other things on the kind of rougher side of things before we start talking about the good. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it. Like, probably tied for worst bad worst thing with with zach smith's lackluster performance uh jackson players that one play i'm not saying jackson player is a player in this game because he actually had a great game aside from this one thing um but yeah the offsides i think it was fourth and two or it was fourth down i don't remember what it was um and like you know i don't think they were gonna snap that ball (laughs) yeah you know it might have just been a hard count kind of thing right there um and you can't that's for sure what it i think that's for sure what it was yeah right i mean like you gotta know that that's what they're doing i mean and yeah you know jackson like his whole game you know everybody talks about his get off right and it is so good it's it's elite and he prides himself on that i'm sure and he wants to go make a play you know he's in the heat of the game who knows what's going on in his head and he jumps on that thing and offsides they get to keep on moving and that that was a killer, man. That was like that was the deflating moment for me. I don't know about you, but when that happened, I was like, oh no. That first of all, I felt terrible for him because I know that's not like, oh my gosh, what a what a player he is. And for that to happen at the end of the game in the conference championship, I was I was feeling it for him. And, but also like I was like, oh geez, this is the end here. It's gonna be real tough for us to somehow magically turn this one around. But that was a that was definitely a, a low point, no doubt. Yeah, um, I would just say you have that, but then I mean they still had to drive the full length of the field, so I, you know, well almost the whole length, and so I had a had hope, but man, on that like third and nine, and then they get that fifteen yard across into Tulsa territory. I mean, at that point, you just kind of know we weren't going to be able to do enough to stop the clock, and. Uh, did they have I, a ton of time left on there when that happened? I can't remember how much like time. Two, or not time. Like I'm two, talking, not, I spoke wrong. Not not time, but uh, I guess time also. But I was thinking distance left on the field. Yeah, well, I mean, they still had like 49 yards after the, after oh, the okay. catch. Not the, so after the penalty, they still had to go like 70 yards. So Wow, all right, yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was something. I thought it was on R24. Um, and so, I don't – it was an offside. It's a 5 or a 10-yard penalty. I don't remember. Um, but – five pretty sure yeah so yeah it was just they had a like a 39 that they completed and then they were in our territory and like the only thing that i was like we can only win this game if their kicker pulls off a memphis i know uh, not, a, not a memphis <laughs> yeah. well yeah tulsa versus memphis and tulsa us. last year at any point right and unfortunately that did not happen yeah i know man killer and then the other major thing you know i don't know maybe you've got some other ones but the other one i've got here uh is the so you know thinking back to october what was going on back then when we were first playing these guys we had the alley green uh ducking smoke comment which is now infamous i guess in cincinnati lore here because they brought it up again after they won that game which was eh, i mean kind of not classy in my opinion to literally attack a single player who was just you know talking some fun smack on twitter but whatever did you see that by the way the stuff stuff the they were saying to Allegheny yeah. afterwards no uh-huh yeah so like kind of just unplugged yeah i don't blame you 
Uh, it wasn't it wasn't like egregious or or whatever, but they like quote tweeted Allie Green. So they want they like scrolled back, I guess, to October third or whatever. Is this Cincinnati's actual? Yeah, Cincinnati football doing this. So they they find that tweet where it says it seems like or I think these guys are ducking smoke or whatever the tweet was from Allie, and they quote tweet it right. So they add their little commentary, and they added a gif from I think it was Bob's Burgers or something, and the uh, comment above it was like always remember kids the internet is forever and that was Allie Green's thing and you've got all these stupid commenters obviously taking the bait here and attacking Allie and I'm like man you know okay he's a trash talker I get it it's like part of his game and personality but you're gonna attack a dude on Twitter with your official Cincinnati Bearcats football account who's just a competitive guy I mean there's nothing against Cincinnati when he's doing that it's just like he's he wants to play you know so that seemed very off and you know I don't know in bad taste to me but that happened but part of that though was like he does love to talk that trash right and mm-hmm and he got burned. <laughs> he got burned a few times that game, man. Dude, like Al- deep Alec too. Alec Pierce destroyed us. Alec Pierce, man, he was the one-man wrecking crew for Cincinnati, no doubt. I think I don't. I may you maybe have the stat line up. I don't right now. I think that guy had like yards. Yes, on five so, receptions. God, was it one or two touchdowns? Just one. Okay, but, but still. I mean, he got he got to like the in the within the ten-yard line. Yeah, he had times. that. He had the one-handed oh, man, that, catch that, on the sideline. Yeah, I was going to say that catch where he beat Ty Neal Martin. With <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Man, that guy, I mean, deserves the uh, – he probably should have gotten player of the game. I know they usually give it to the quarterbacks or whatever. Desmond Ritter had a good game too, and he won player of the game for Cincy. But that was a hell of a game from Yeah, uh, and if you look, like all him. their other receivers, Josh Weil had the second most yards on the game with 27. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, it's like so we literally should... just could not stop Alec Pierce. Yeah. So it totally should have gone to that guy, but uh, everyone gives it to the quarterback. So such is life. Um, And then my last thing, which I, you know, I hesitate to even put it as a bad thing, but I wanted to bring it up and I'm not sure if there was another spot to bring this up. So I put it in here. Uh, Zayvon Collins in the bad things list. And he's, you know, like I said, hesitated to even put it in here. Not a bad game from him by any means, but I would argue that this is probably the least he's impacted any game this year. And for that to be the championship game, obviously not ideal. And I don't know, maybe it's maybe it was just Cincinnati doing everything they could to stay away from him, right? He had just won unanimous defensive player of the year. Everybody knows how good he is. He's a finalist for the Buckus Award and the Bednarik Award. Um, it is like it is amazing how much notoriety he's gotten recently and and the Nagurski Award also. Um, but you know, I'm sure that's on his mind. That's on their mind. They're trying to keep everything away from him. Maybe that's all it was, but his name just wasn't called very much. It's not like he made any bad plays necessarily, but he was kind of just a non-factor, uh, at least in terms of like where the plays were happening. He may have very well been a factor in the Cincinnati game plan and them staying away from him, but I just don't really remember seeing him much or hearing much. I saw a missed tackle one time, and that's kind of it. Yeah, for a game where he wasn't hurt, this is, I mean, this is his worst game of the season, which is just, I bet, I would imagine, like, frustrating for him, frustrating for, like, Tulsa in general, just to, uh, but, I mean, you got to wonder, on top of that, like, kind of like what you were saying, like, Cincinnati definitely game planned for him to try and take advantage of, like, avoiding him as much as possible, mm-hmm. whether that means, like, just go to the opposite side of the field or, <laughs> yeah, like, right. commit two blockers just to 
to him or something like that. I mean, that's the stuff that I got to imagine is they're doing. Because the rest of our line, like our line played a pretty good game. Man, they uh, you did. Take, you take that bad penalty out. You had Colin Wick had a great game. Jackson mm-hmm. Player had a strong game uh, through most of it. Mm-hmm. For uh, sure. And then, I mean, throw in some of the other, like our other linebackers were pretty good. Like Trayvon Reeves had Man, nine that tackles, dude, two for yes. a loss. He played a great game. We what? How many? We forced three fumbles and got like two of them. Like our defense played solid. It was just Zayvon Collins was uh, not really the driver behind it this week. Yeah, not not the at least the you know the big playmaker that's getting the headlines. He very, may have very well been doing things behind the scenes that I just didn't notice in my first watch of the game. And I will definitely be watching this game again. First of all, it was very fun to watch. Second of all, first conference championship game in a long time, so definitely will be watching this again. So. I'll pay closer attention to see if what was going on with Zayvon. One something I thought I did notice was, it, you know, I know he's been dealing with that toe injury, and he had it last game against Navy, and it looked sort of at times like he was still limping around every now and then. I don't know if that was just my eyes looking for that and, like, making sure that that wasn't happening, but it seemed like it kind of was. So not sure if that was a factor as well, but something I may have noticed. Not, not totally sure, though. Um, but, yeah, don't want to take away from him. Just something I wanted to bring up uh, in case we didn't have time to bring it up later. Um, But on to the goods, and there are honestly way more goods in this game than there were bads. Uh, So, like, I want to start here with the running back duo of Corey Taylor and Daenerys Prince. Absolutely, and you brought it up already, Matt, with the number one rushing defense in Cincinnati in the conference and a top rushing defense in the country. Literally, I mean, just absolutely enforcing the will of whatever they wanted to do all game. They were both straight bowling people over the entire time especially Corey taylor Daneric prince averaged like nine eight or nine yards carry or something like that i mean they were running these dudes over the line was doing great in run block and Corey taylor you know had a touchdown Daneric prince had a touchdown both of them going off Corey got the vast majority of the carries both guys whenever they had the ball in their hands it was like get out of the way because they nobody could stop them and that's an unbelievable defense that cincinnati has especially in the run and in the past, but especially in the run. And to have see them go out and do that, I was blown away the entire time. We were just out physicaling them in many facets of that game. And I know we're a physical team, but I had a you know, I've watched obviously every game this year, and that was surprising to me. I did not see that coming. Yeah, this is a team that has been holding people to like 112 yards on average this season. Yeah. And I mean we put up 199. Amazing. And it's, I mean, it's just in kind of incredible because have we had any games like consecutively where we have the same like two guys who are getting the rock, like Corey Taylor yeah, right. one week, <laughs> TK Wilkerson another, Derek Prince a third. Like it just kind of like seems like it rotates, but whoever, uh, you know, is on point that week just kills it. Like our running game is so good right now. Yeah, it's it was so impressive, and I I just brought it up just to get the numbers right. And yeah, Daneric Prince averaged eight yards a carry. He carried it nine times for seventy three yards and a touchdown with a thirty eight yarder in there. And then Corey Taylor at one point was averaging like six yards a carry, four point six by the end of the game. Had a hundred yards that game, which is his second hundred yard game of this season, and a touchdown, thirteen yard was his long there. And man, like. I am so excited about that. We have so much talent at the running back room, all of which could technically come back next year. I haven't heard anything about people who will come back and what the story is there or anything, but man, like Shamari Brooks, Corey Taylor, Eric France, Christian Lovick, Anthony Watkins, and we've got like one or two others as well, just going down the list that are all talented and, and 
I mean, it's a, it's a, it's crazy. I would be surprised if Someone, one somebody's or two of them didn't transfer. Yeah, somebody's got to leave. It's gonna you got to think too so. Crowded. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to get the time that they want, and they're all talented enough to get the time. So, like, well, something's got to give here, right? So, I don't know who that's going to be or what the story is there, but um, it's a good problem to have. You know, somebody's going to go get some good playing time in another school, and we're still going to have you know three or four guys that can absolutely just destroy people on the ground. If I had to predict, I would say I feel like we'll have Brooks, Prince, and Wilkerson as our like main three next year. I would take that any day of the week for sure. Yeah, and then we, you know, Anthony Watkins, he's still kind of an unknown, you know, the Mizzou transfer, and we've seen him in like two games really, and only one time at I think he got a carry in one game, and mostly he was at special teams or not at all. So that's an unknown for sure for next year. How talented he can be! So lots to look forward to, no doubt um other <laughs> i got so many good things um trayvon reeves we talked about him so i'm not going to spend a ton more time on him but yeah seven solo tackles and a sack two tackles for loss and some of those hits man big time plays he was getting a lot of hype on on twitter during and after the game uh from various people in the college football world noticing that you know saying things like all the hype's always on zayvon collins deservingly it, it very much is but man trayvon reeves back there unbelievable game justin wright also consistently has very good games the defense just goes step by step by step everybody down there can 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 go off for a game so he did great colin wick also on the defensive line uh had that strip sack at huge play there picked up by jackson player um defense game after game stepping up to the plate and i guarantee you they're going to do it again against the freaking air raid against mississippi state i can't wait to see that that's going to be amazing um, on the offensive side, some good things here. Uh, JC Santana, 13-yard touchdown catch to tie that game. That was huge. I was losing my mind. When when that play happened, I was like off my seat. I mean, I was, I was actually standing most of the game, but I was like running around, and it was, it was great. 13-yard touchdown catch. Zach Smith, great throw. Honestly, good throw there right in the goal line. JC, when he caught that ball, like – honestly didn't sort of look like he was there <laughs> may, may or may not have been a touchdown i think it probably was but like he it was right like, I mean, it on broke the, the plane line. when he twisted that yeah that's kind of what i was thinking too <laughs> like it, it just just you know be a little more definitive you know like you reach your arm and i know he, he was tr- i think he was trying to protect the ball it was like down around his waist it kind of looked like and there were two guys wrapped wrapping him up so i think he was just trying to hold on to it but i was kind of surprised they didn't review it honestly but i'll take it um, and then, yeah, Sam Crawford, 54-yarder, <laughs> ridiculous catch, led to uh, that. Actually, I think that led to a couple plays later was JC's touchdown catch. But the ridiculous uh, two guys on him down the field. I saw on Twitter today when I was getting ready for this episode, scrolling through some tweets and things, um, ESPN had tweeted about that play, and their comment on it was like, but how, right? Like all caps, but how did you catch that ball? And uh, Sam quote tweeted that one and said, that's a great question. <laughs> so he's like he's he's like man i don't know how that happened but hey i did it and it was an awesome catch led to a huge play tie the game there we go i love sam crawford that's a that's awesome um and i got some other good things i think we'll get to them in my players of the game so that's probably all i'll bring up but man like before we stop talking about this game really it's just I was so, first of all, so excited to be watching a conference championship game where my team is playing. First time that Tulsa has played in a football conference championship. 
uh, in, in the American Conference ever since the conference started, obviously, 2013. And then we played in the Conference USA championship game back in 2012, which we talked about last week. And that is just such a cool feeling, right? I mean, your team playing on ABC, 7 o'clock, against a top 10 team on the road. It's raining. Everybody knows it's going to be a big-time game. Tulsa, the big underdog, 14 points. They like being the underdog. They've got the chip on their shoulder. They wanted to go out there and prove to everybody that they belonged on that field with the Bearcats, and they absolutely did. They absolutely proved it, and we lost the game. Whatever. It was a great game. (laughs) Like, one of the – I, I was loving it so much. I'm here home in Missouri now with my family, as you know, Matt, and they're all watching the game, right? Everybody's watching, and everybody is super into it. And I was like, it was. I had a big smile on my face the whole time, despite the, despite the, te- you know, I didn't when we lost <laughs> with the field goal at the very end, obviously. But no, just uh, d- despite a couple plastered, plastered on, you just don't. You're not. Game <laughs> yeah. Can't affect you. I mean, honestly, most of the game, that's how it was. We had some bad throws in there, interceptions, whatever. I was happy to be watching. I was thrilled that we were playing well. Uh, running game was blowing guys up. Defense making huge plays all the time. I'll take that every year. Give it to me all the time. That was great. So very proud of this team. Very happy to have been doing this podcast with you, Matt, while we've got a Commerce Champion uh, ship team playing, participating. And it's been a hell of a season to cover. So glad we got to do it this year because the last couple of years have honestly not been this fun so very glad that this one happened this time it's so it's fun just to look at the the difference i had you know watching the oklahoma state game compared to watching this game like the osu (laughs) game i was sitting there like wow this is boring we look like so bad offensively like this year is just going to be miserable if this happens and then we're in the conference championship game and it's like, wow, our offense is kind of inept at times, but man, our defense (laughs) is so good that that's just made up for it is kind of how I felt. So, man, you're right. It's like, and then every game has been bang, 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 just ridiculous game after another, aside from South Florida, right? Every other game, central Florida, crazy comeback win. I think it was 23 to five or whatever it was in the first half. ECU, we're down like whatever, 17. SMU, we were down 21, I think. Tulane down 14 in the fourth quarter with nine minutes left. Navy, we're down early. Or no, we were never down against Navy, but it was boring. That was the that was the only other sleeper of the year. That was a boring game. And then, man, this game also down 10 nothing. Battle, tie it up like two or three times. Come back every time. Loss at the very end. Unbelievable season. Uh, okay, players of the game. Um, do you want to start with offense or do you want me to start? Uh, you can start. Okay. Sounds good. So offensive player of the game for me, Corey Taylor, hands down 22 carries, 102 yards, a touchdown. And like we said, all that against the number one rushing defense in the conference and one of the best rushing defenses in the country. Corey's second 100 plus yard game of the season. His other one was against Tulane and I have, you know, I probably spent a good minute or two already on this, but I cannot overemphasize enough how impressed I was by Corey Taylor and also Daenerys Prince this game. Like I said, we were killing them in the trenches and in the run game, just outmanning them at the running back spot. Nobody could stop those guys. It was amazing. I was, that was part of the reason I was enjoying this game so much. Time and time again, it was just punched to the face to the Cincinnati defense, try to stop these guys. They couldn't do it. And I loved it. I loved it. Corey Taylor is awesome. So is Daenerys Prince. Those two guys taking the rock every time was was great to watch. So I'm giving it to Corey. Yeah, same boat for me. Corey Taylor, I thought was the best guy um, on the 
offensive unit for us. I'd give a nod to the offensive line as well, just because they've mm-hmm. been so good, especially in the uh, run protection all season, which just has me really excited for next year, both because we have like at least three of the running backs in like the backfield are going to be returning. Mm-hmm. And then our entire offensive line, right? Is anybody like, is Chris Paul? He's not a senior, is he? Well, we got some seniors. Yeah. So we've okay. got uh, Dylan Couch as a senior and, uh, yeah, he's the only one, actually. Don Couch. Okay. Dante Bevins is a junior. Gerard Wheeler is a junior. Chris Paul is a junior. Yeah. And it's our, I think that's... Oh, and Couch. Tyler Smith is a freshman. Yeah, so that's amazing. Yeah, and we have Gadlin coming back, too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just really excited. I mean, Corey Taylor has been good, uh, very consistent for us all year, too. Just in the, if you look at the total yards he's put up, like he had 461 yards in 12 games last year. He has 459 yards in six games this year. <laughs> Nice. Like when his name is called, he's kind of been uh, ready to contribute. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, okay, so if we want to go to defense, then uh, mm-hmm. I'll go first this time. And I'm going to give it to Trayvon Reeves. Nice. Uh, we've already talked about him, uh, but I'll just go through his stat line again. So he had seven solo tackles, two assists for nine total tackles, two of those for a loss, and had the one of the two sacks that we ended up getting, um, the other being Colin Wick. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I had to give a backup, it would just be the defensive line because um, it's hard, I feel, to single out any one of them because they're all pretty good. But Reeves, mm-hmm. I mean, this has been a linebacker heavy uh, defensive player of the year, <laughs> yeah. it seems like this, which right. is funny because – I would I would argue that linebacker is not our strongest positional strength on defense, but I mean they just have had really solid performances. Yeah, I mean honestly, at this point, I think it probably is our strongest positional strength, right? I mean, with Zayvon Collins as Defensive Player of the Year, and you got Trayvon Reeves and Justin Wright, both very very talented, aggressive guys on defense. I think there's a good argument to say that's our best ta- our best position group on D. Yeah. No, and I mean, yeah, you're totally right. Um, it's just like, I guess, always viewed it as an afterthought when you, at, at least at the beginning of the year, when you look at our uh, defensive backs and mm-hmm. would always put line. But yeah, no, I think linebackers probably are. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Trayvon Reeves for sure. I mean, that was that was an awesome game for him. I didn't, I I gave it so my, I was struggling on this one. Um, for an obvious reason you'll hear when I say his name. So I'm giving it to Jackson player. (laughs) I know that's hard to do because he, uh, you know, he made that, that rough play on Cincinnati's last drive to keep them alive. And then they go down and win the game. So there's a, an argument that says he lost the game for us, which is a weak argument. And I, I wouldn't, I don't agree with that at all, but um, that is certainly a big play that happened, but impacted that game in so many positive ways as well so it doesn't show up a ton on the stat sheet right four total tackles whatever he recovered a fumble caused by colin wick on the d-line fellow d-lineman with him blocked a field goal which i honestly kind of forgot about until notes on this game just now uh he caused that so since he went for it on fourth down that one time somewhere in the fourth quarter and it was like fourth and something fourth and three or something and they went for it and they could have just kicked they were up seven they could have kicked the field goal and made it a 10 point game and they went for it went for this thing and so i was like what the heck are they doing and uh 
Jackson is the reason that play didn't work. So Jackson player, and I think also Colin Wick at his, you know, they kind of hit him together, but Jackson hit him first. I'm pretty sure, uh, it was a run play bounced or maybe it was a, was it a wildcat? I don't remember what they were doing, but anyway, somebody was running the ball and uh, Jackson hit him backwards. And all of a sudden he had to totally change direction. Jackson missed the tackle there, but totally knocked the play out of flow. Right. So he backed up, started going to the right instead of the left. And all, that play was dead from the start because of Jackson players, so a huge, huge play there that, uh, you know, could have been the game winning play had he not made that play later on. Um, but you know, he, he played so well. He impacted so many plays that game. He was in the backfield all game. Um, the offsides penalty sucks a lot, right? Cannot do that, especially not then. In the fourth quarter of the last drive of the conference championship game at your opponent's home stadium, when you think they're just going to probably hard count this thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, he, he prides himself so much on his get-off. He deserves to. It's so good. Sometimes that's going to happen, right? Terrible time for that one to happen. Probably, you know, maybe not a worse time that that could have happened. But despite that, I think he made such an impact on that game. I think he deserves uh, to be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Week. Um, Special teams. So uh, my thing here was, like, definitely not the kick return defense. Like, we were giving up long returns to Cincinnati all game, man. I was very worried by you know this has happened this had happened like three times by the time we got to halftime i was very worried we were going to give up a kick return touchdown because whoever those dudes were that were returning i think it's trey tucker and somebody else something maybe ryan montgomery i can't remember his name uh they were running it long back on us like every time they had the ball like the 35 or 40 every time it seemed like um so definitely not them we gotta figure that one out for the bowl game but uh, I will give it to Lachlan Wilson for averaging 46 yards a punt on five punts. And I thought he played a great game. Uh, he had one that was really close to getting blocked. I don't know if you remember it. I don't remember what time in the game this was, but it went through like two guys' arms and very clutch there. So I'll give it to him. Yeah, uh, man, it's tough. I Going into this game, I wanted it to be Zach Long. I wanted to give it like this is <laughs> yeah. before the game had started. Uh, just like I was hoping that we – the roles would be reversed and we would have beat Cincinnati on a uh, last minute field goal. But you know, he was one for two. Yeah. Uh, which is and that slip. Yeah. So I think I would agree. I'd go with uh Lachlan and just like to highlight that he also had a tackle. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. What was so, the, what was the situation? Was it, a, was it one of the long cut kick returns? Yeah. It probably was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, or that's generally probably, that's yeah. generally the only situation where your punter should have a tackle. But you know, <laughs> right, I mean, right. if he doesn't make that tackle, probably have that touchdown that you're talking about. Was it? Yeah, right. Was it a uh, was it Navy last game where he also had that other one? Did he have a tackle in Navy? He had a tackle oh, in another yeah. game. I can't remember if it was Navy mm. or the game before that. Against I feel him. like it was. I feel Tulane. like it was Tulane. Yeah, it might have been. I can't remember. Everything is so long ago at this point. Yeah. I mean, like three weeks between every game, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, a month in Cincinnati's case. Crazy, man. Uh, but good for them. Going to the Peach Bowl. It's good. Uh, okay, so I think we did enough on that game. Do you have, did you have any final comments uh, you wanted to make before we move on to uh, the quick little Mississippi State preview? No, sir. I just, I guess, just to throw my last, I'm bummed because I feel like it's, <laughs> I think I'm more frustrated because we had such a legit shot of winning this whereas if we had lost by like two scores it would have been like all right like cincinnati was 
just like a step ahead of us, but it's just frustrating to come so close and to lose by three points. Yeah, it definitely makes it harder in a way. Like, I know what you're saying, but like, oh man, the fact that we showed up like the way we did, I was real, I was worried about this game, dude. I don't know. Cincinnati, the way they had been smoking everybody, I mean, their closest game, they, they won by three against UCF, but besides that, they're all their recent games were like, 30 point wins or something it was freaking nuts so i was pretty scared the way desmond ritter had been playing and he had a good game again against us not the ridiculous game that he's been having kind of recently but um i'm, I'm very glad that we put ourselves in the ring there and absolutely stuck with those guys because that's a that's a hell of a team the bearcats have and we'll see how they do against georgia in the peach ball but we held our own definitely had a shot to win a couple things go a different way we could could have pulled it off um so that's a, you got to give yourself a chance to win in those kind of games, right? Coach speak there. And we definitely did. And I can't, can't ask for much more other than a good quarterback. Okay. On to quick little football preview. Not going to spend a ton of time here. Like I said, the, the bowl game got announced today. It's Mississippi state. That's happening on December 31st, New Year's Eve. Uh, wait, is that right? Or is that the 30th? Shoot. It's 31st. Okay, good. So 31st, um, Mississippi State, right? SEC head coach Mike Leach, first-year head coach for the Bulldogs. Um, Formerly, obviously, Washington State. Before that, he was at Texas Tech. And so it's weird how excited I am for this game because earlier on Twitter today, I had been, you know, I, I I put out a tweet saying these are our, like, bowl projections. And let me pull that up right now just to get the teams that I mentioned there. We had ball projection around up. Bam. So ESPN had us playing UAB in the Birmingham Bowl. The Athletic had us playing Boise State in the Birmingham Bowl. CBS Sports had us playing Louisiana in the Military Bowl. Athlon Sports had us playing Maryland in the Military Bowl. And College Football News had us playing UTSA in the First Responder Bowl. And a couple people, you know, wanted to play Maryland, right? Because they're, a, you know, Power 5 team, Big 10, whatever. They're, they were 2-3 and three or whatever, so kind of underwhelming record. But uh, wanted to play the Power 5 team, and I was very much, I don't know, maybe it's me. I was not excited about that. I would I would rather play a Boise State or a Louisiana for sure over, over that Maryland team. And I get it. Like, beating the Power 5 team just looks good. It looks better probably. Um but I would be so much more entertained as a fan to play Boise State or Louisiana. Both those teams have had such awesome seasons. So I would have taken either of those. So I wasn't, so the, my point here is I wasn't very excited about um, a two and three Maryland team, but I am very excited about a three and seven Mississippi State team, which doesn't make sense logically, right? If my, if my logic is I don't want to play the bad uh the bad Maryland team that's two and three. Why am I excited about three and seven Mississippi state? And I, I don't have a good, good answer for you. Honestly, maybe I would have been more excited. Um, if we actually got the game against Maryland, maybe my emotions would have flipped immediately, but I am, I don't think so. I think it's because I'm, I'm mostly excited about this matchup because it's Mike Leach and the air raid going against our secondary who has been vaunted all year. Right. And didn't have a great showing against uh, Cincinnati, right? But uh, everybody has their games. So I am super psyched about the Mike Leach air raid going against Joe Gillespie's defense. And it's going to be good. So 3-7, and seven, SEC, um, they beat LSU for what that's worth by 10. They lost to Arkansas by 7. They lost to Kentucky 24-2, to right? That is ugly. And then 
boom, change of quarterback because they started one and two and didn't help them a ton, but it did help them a little bit. They lost to Texas A&M by 14. They then lost to Alabama by 41, 41 to nothing, got blanked by the Crimson Tide, the number one seed in the playoff as of today. Or, yeah, as of today, I guess it was officially announced. They beat Vanderbilt uh, by whatever that is, seven. Um, lost to Georgia, lost to Ole Miss, lost to Auburn, all kind of respectable scores. And then, man, they just beat Mizzou yesterday by 19. So that was yeah, unexpected. That ugly. Dude, what happened with Mizzou? I was watching part of that game. Oh, my gosh. I was honestly, you know, so both me and Matt listeners are from Missouri. And I thought maybe this was the year that has been destined where Tulsa plays Mizzou. And it's like the, my dream game. But, no, we're getting uh, we're getting Mississippi State, which, honestly, I am more excited about uh, because of the reasons that I just said. Um, the Mike Leach going against Joe Gillespie and SEC team gonna be fun. I'm excited for it. Um, yeah. And some, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, on the I feel like this is the one year, just with how interesting I guess college football Twitter has been and just kind of the view of. Uh, the playoff ranks and rankings and stuff, but yeah, I this like I would have been excited to play a Louisiana or like a BYU uh, this year, just based on how much that like that stuff's getting in the spotlight. You have like Chris Vanini uh, talking about like writing about how group of five teams can't make the playoff and like all the BS that the playoff mm. committee does. So like this year, it's, I feel like there's a lot more respect, not from specifically from like ESPN or a lot of the big media type stuff, but just like the general consensus that like, yeah. Oh, like a 19 Louisiana or a 12 coastal Carolina or like a whatever BYU is 15, 16. Like that's kind of a legit kind of game this year. That being said, Maryland doesn't have any sort of name recognition other than like they're in the big 10 because of <laughs> yeah, basketball, right. not uh-huh. because of their football team. Whereas Mississippi State, I mean, you have an SEC team that just hired one of the most, like, well-known coaches in the country. Like, that is Mm -hmm. a much better, uh, I don't know, a much more interesting matchup, if nothing else. Yes, very fair. Good points. Glad you brought them up for sure. Because, yeah, I am just, like, weirdly excited for this game. (laughs) Like, I'm so, so pumped now for this to be on New Year's Eve. It's going to be great. Uh, some quick just leaders of the team not gonna spend any time on this really um, the quarterback when they got started was KJ Costello uh, the Stanford guy and uh, you know a lot of people knew his name from his time at Stanford and he got benched after three games right they lost that the third game was the 24 to 2 loss against Kentucky he threw four interceptions that game and they throw the ball a lot right so interceptions are kind of to be expected but four of them in a game is not gonna do it for you he throw I think he threw three the game before that and his overall was like six touchdowns to 11 picks by the time he got pulled. So he's out. Uh, after the third game comes in Will Rogers. Nice uh, nod to Oklahoma there. Completing 70% of his passes so far uh, since taking over. He's thrown the ball 316 times in those games. Crazy. Uh, his ratio compared to KJ Costello's six touchdowns to 11 interceptions is 10 touchdowns to seven interceptions. So... Looking like we'll be playing against Will Rogers. And then on the running back side, you've got uh, primarily these two guys, Joe Quavius Marks and Dylan Johnson. Marks is over 200 yards rushing. Johnson's at 168. Uh, they've both run it 59 and 41 times, respectively. 
And then wide receivers, uh, they have a lot of them, right? And a lot of them contribute because air raid, and that's how that works. So Jaden Wally, Osiris Mitchell, Austin Williams are the leaders. Uh, something I did want to bring up here is uh, a fun tweet from a, a, a Mississippi State account who just followed us who looks like their SB Nation account for whom the cowbell tolls, which I am down about that name. That is awesome. But anyways, they uh, they were tweeting about their team leaders for the year today. And these guys, some of them, I ju- all of them I just mentioned, except for a guy on defense here. Will Rogers, the quarterback. Joe Quavius Marks, the running back. Jaden Wally, the receiver. And then a... a, a uh, guy on defense, Emmanuel Forbes, uh, four interceptions, right? These are all their leaders on their team. All of those guys are freshmen. So they are a young group for sure. And then you've got these guys who are second on the team. Um, Some guy, Brule, Emerson, Sean Preston, all on defense. Those are all sophomores, kind of second on the team in some way. Third in tackles, second in tackles, fourth in tackles, uh, all sophomores. So super young group over there uh, for the Bulldogs. So we'll see what happens there. but very interesting thing to keep an eye on and pretty interesting that those guys are so young. Uh, have you, Matt, have you gotten to watch any, uh, I mean, probably not. I haven't watched any Mississippi state either, but I was just, just double checking, seeing if you had seen any games this year from, from them. Uh, no, no, nothing other than I kind of watched a little bit of the Alabama game just because people were like, Oh, let's see how Alabama plays against like a real offense with, uh, yeah. like Leach and yeah, they, <laughs> yeah 41 was, and nothing yeah it wasn't really too yeah. much of a difference from what we've seen right so that's about all i've i uh, saw snippets of that game that is funny yeah so we'll do a we'll do a bigger preview of that next week uh i think with a very fun guest i'm not gonna say any names yet in case it doesn't uh pan out but we should have a pretty cool one for next week so i'm very excited for that um okay on to some award stuff that i wanted to cover uh mostly just conference awards because none of the like actual like full postseason awards like the butkus or the nagurski or whatever have been announced yet um so we'll do conference stuff here so zavin collins uh we talked about him already unanimously unanimously named the american conference defensive player of the year and something to note here that i think is very very important and has been talked about but not as much as honestly i thought it would be by now uh first time in conference history a player of the year on either side of the ball for the american has been a unanimous pick amazing honor for Zayvon Collins clearly the best defensive player in the league Um, and to that end he is also a finalist for the Bronco Nagurski award which is the best defensive player in the country so he's in that finalist group he's also a finalist for the Butkus award which is the best linebacker and about the Nagurski there so the best defensive player um, I tweeted this out uh, last week or something I don't remember sometime relatively recently Uh, Zayvon Collins would be the second ever group of five player to win the Nagurski. The first one was back in 2015 in the American. Also temples, Tyler Matikiewicz, uh won it back then. I think that was the year that they won the conference championship or they won it the next year. They were very good that year. And Matikiewicz and that defense was a huge reason. So uh, good footsteps to be following and for sure for Zaven. And if he can get that done, that would be a hell of an award for, for him, man, that would be a huge statement for the American for Tulsa uh, for the G5 in general. So really hoping that that pans out. And um, the Butkus Award, best linebacker there, hit one of the big competitors is another, you know, like I mentioned, me and Matt are from Missouri. Mizzou has a hell of a linebacker themselves and Nick Bolton, and that's one of the big competitors there. So it'll be fun to watch who wins that one. Um, 
in terms of first team, second team, honorable mention, all that stuff, Tulsa wound up with 13 total selections to that to uh, one of those teams, which was second most in the conference. Um, Cincinnati had the most. I don't remember what the number was, 19 or something like that. We had the second most in the whole league, which is very, very cool. First team uh, were all defensive players. So Zayvon Collins, obviously, defensive player of the year, also gets first team. Um, Jackson Player, junior defensive lineman, of course. And then Tyler Smith, first teamer as a freshman. That is big time for the offensive line. So very excited for him. Uh, on the second team there, we had Keelan Stokes, um, senior receiver. Chris Paul, junior offensive tackle. Christian Williams, senior safety. Justin Wright, the sophomore linebacker. Zach Long, the senior kicker, making second team as a walk-on, a guy who had never played football before his sophomore year of college, racking up the second team all-conference award as a kicker. Great props to him. That is amazing. Uh, and then our honorable mention, we had some guys as well, mostly the offensive line. Like all of our offensive linemen were named to some all-conference team, and three of them were here on this honorable mention list. So Dante Bivens, junior offensive lineman. Dylan Couch, the senior, and Gerard Wheeler, the another junior. So Dylan Couch, the only one on that line, will be losing next year, like we talked about a bit ago. And Matt, like you mentioned, Gadlin hopefully coming back next year as well. So very good sign from the offensive line. Um, Ken Darren Ray got honorable mention, which is questionable-ish, but I guess makes sense. He's a sophomore. You know, he had a good year. Uh, I think he's going to explode next year. And then the the biggest, the biggest head scratcher, uh, Allie Green, honorable mention for him. And honestly, the fact that a Caleb Evans isn't anywhere in this list either um, blows my mind, right? So Allie Green is a senior corner. He is on the Thorpe Award finalist list, which is only 12 defensive backs in the entire country. And he's not the second second team at least. Both the uh, corners on the first team list were Cincinnati's guys, Ahmad Gardner and Kobe Bryant or whatever his, the other corner's name is. Um and they're, they're definitely talented, right? I get that. So, you know, honestly, I would have put him there with Ahmad Gardner and moved the other since he got a second team and shifted around like that. But he didn't even make second team, right? He, he's on the honorable mention list. And like I said, he didn't have a great showing yesterday against Cincinnati. But really, that's his, that's his worst showing of the year. And the rest of the season, they've gone against better offenses uh, some of the time. And he's played extremely well. He doesn't have the numbers that stick off the page because people don't throw his way because he's so good. Um, so maybe that's why he didn't get it. They're just looking at numbers or whatever, but, uh, it's pretty disappointing to see him on the, uh, honorable mention spot. Certainly deserves better than that. Uh, what were your thoughts on the, uh, the awards or deserving people, not deserving people? Do you see somebody you wish was on or don't see somebody you so, wish was on there or anything? I don't know. Maybe you'll take this just as, uh, biased because he was my breakout player of the year, but I was kind of just confused how Keelan Stokes made second team versus, uh, Josh Johnson, yeah, right? Did True, not. and Josh didn't even make it on there at all. Yeah, and so I don't know. Their stats are very similar to each mm-hmm. other, which is kind of just where my question came from. So okay, so Josh Johnson had 495. Well, okay, this is including last year, but they were within, I think, 24 yards separated them. Um, Stokes had 24 more yards than Johnson did, but Johnson had like six to Stokes one touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had both had 35 receptions. So it was just kind of confusing why Stokes got the nod versus Johnson for that. Stokes Stokes has more than one touchdown, doesn't he? I thought he had he might, ha- he might have two. two. 
Yeah, but still, like, I know what you're saying. Like, Josh has six or whatever, so it's not not really a comparison there. Yeah, and so, I don't know. I kind of, like, I waited the touchdowns more if you're going to give one of them a second-team kind of nod. So that was kind of the – I think that was the only spot where I was like, I don't really understand why that's the case. Yeah, I'm trying to think through that right now. That's a good point. I didn't even didn't even really think about that. So Sto- the only thing I can think is that maybe they're thinking Stokes is just drawing the number one corner every time, and so he's his numbers will be lower than they would if he was the number two in Josh's spot or something like that, which I don't necessarily – I don't know. I, don't I, guess know. I feel like that's not – I feel like that's not like a good like oh yeah. he would have had more like <laughs> I know okay. yeah I agreed yeah right like would have you can't you can't give awards based on would have and I don't want to take anything away from Stokes right I mean the guy's a baller he's proven himself over these years uh, but yeah like Josh Johnson not being on the any list is uh, very surprising because they did have such a similar stat line uh, you would have thought he would have also wound up as a second teamer or at least on honorable mention yeah but that was the big. Um, I guess confusion on my end. Yeah. Yep. That uh, that makes sense. I don't blame you. I f- am feeling the same way now. I didn't even uh, didn't even catch that honestly. So yeah, agreed. Uh, okay. So moving on, I want to talk a little bit about um, signing day. So much stuff happened this week. You know, I just want to you know slightly bri- briefly cover this. It wouldn't take. It's not going to take normally as long as it normally would because. Usually we have a class of like 15, 16 guys or whatever. Um, this year we have six, so much less, much fewer people to talk about this time um, for good reason, I think. So I'll, I'll get to that point after this, but uh, just want to run through these these guys real quick. So first is a wide receiver, Scotty Alexander, uh, comes from Tennessee, Collierville, Tennessee. Probably one of the first Tennessee guys we've had in a long time. I, I don't remember another one off the top of my head at least. Um, three-star guy for both 247 sports and arrivals. Uh, he had 10 offers, averaged 16.3 yards of catch in three seasons as a starter. Um, he seems like a big name guy, right? Receivers are always fun to watch when they, when they sign. So the fact that we only signed one this year makes me think that, uh, he's got something on him, right? That I am, I'm pretty psyched about him. So definitely a name to keep an eye on. Could see him getting some playing time early next year, uh, with Stokes potentially not coming back as a senior maybe he will with the extra year of eligibility but definitely keep an eye on scotty alexander because I'm, I'm pretty psyched about him um the other probably other biggest name guy uh quarterback and just because he's a quarterback he is a big name guy this is another three-star recruit from 247 sports and arrivals both three stars there uh from frisco texas pretty sure he went to independence high school yes that's right independence high school uh 6'3 205 pound dual threat quarterback threw for 3,236 yards and 45 touchdowns as a junior, rushed for 849 yards and 11 touchdowns. Clearly, this dude is a passer first. And Montgomery in the little signing day videos emphasized that like twice in the same video. Uh, passer first, who can also like get, a, you know, get, extend plays, get away from guys if he needs to, but it's got the arm apparently. So that is a good sign because we've had dual threat guys in the past, in the recent, in the recent past who we're definitely more runners on the dual threat side of things. And this guy seems more like a passer who can also get it done on the ground. So very psyched for Braylon Braxton. Um, should be really cool. So he's got a senior season left. We'll see how he does, but very psyched about him. Uh, another one, safety, Zion Hopes, 6'3", 180 pounds. This guy uh, 
safety. So I mean, we've got a stacked defense, a lot of guys coming back. We'll see what happens. Um, might not see him next year. Wouldn't be surprised. But um, another one from Texas here. Three stars, according to 247 Sports. Two stars, according to Rivals. Um, currently playing for a TU alumnus, Antoine Jimerson. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, two interceptions in 10 games this last season. So um, could be used as a prime returner also, apparently. So kind of cool there. Uh, linebacker Jaden Moore, 6'3", from Shreveport, Louisiana. Another three-star 247 Sports guy. Two stars from Rivals. Um, three interceptions as a senior. Three sacks. Uh, as a junior, three picks as a sophomore. So some good stat line there. Uh, we could lose a lot of linebackers this season. Again, we don't really know based on everyone has an extra year. So we'll see. Uh, but a guy who could potentially make an impact early. Um, we've got two running backs signed in this class, both of which I think have a lot of potential. So to add to our stacked running back room, we have Marquise Shoulders, uh, also A-plus name here, Marquise Shoulders, 5'10", 165 from Katy, Texas. Uh, three stars, according to 247, two stars in rivals. Um, ran for 742 yards, averaged 8.3 yards a carry as a senior. Uh, apparently could also be used as a kick returner. So we'll see how, what happens there. And then the guy that I'm most excited about because he's from my hometown, another running back, Bill Jackson, St. Louis, our hometown, I should say. Uh, 5'10", so same height as Marquise, 195 pounds, St. Louis, Missouri. Went to Cardinal Ritter High School. We played against them in high school when I was back in there. And they're, you know, obviously, they're, they're always very good. <laughs> this dude is on another level. Three stars, 247 sports, also three stars for rivals. And averaged 141 yards per game, averaged 11.1 yards per carry, scored nine touchdowns in seven games. The guy's a stud, right? He got offers from Nebraska and Arizona State. Um, I think both these red, both these uh, running backs are, are probably going to be redshirting because we have so much talent in the running back room right now, but they get to come in, they get to build up, uh, work through the strength program for a year and get, get to work, uh, their sophomore or redshirt freshman year. So very psyched about, uh, you know, the six guys, small class. I'm very excited about this class just cause it looks like a guy, they're all talented, all can make a big impact. Um, and I think it's good that it's six because there's so many unknowns with how many people are going to come back next year, what's going to happen. Right. And are, you know, Having more flexibility there is better. And if we need to sign more people later on, we still have till the normal signing period ends in February or whenever that happens. And we can address things then. Obviously, we'd be a little bit behind if all of a sudden we need to sign a ton of people. But I don't, th I don't think that's the plan. I think, obviously, the program knows, kind of, probably has a decent idea of who's coming back and who's not. And the fact that we're only signing six, all of which seem to be pretty high caliber guys, I think that checks the boxes of what I'm looking for. So overall, I'm pretty excited about this class. All right, um, so we're already over an hour. Uh, let's talk some basketball real quick and then round out with uh, the – I was just going to talk about the conference bowl, uh, like all the ball games that our conference teams got. Um, so basketball, uh, we played two games in the last week. One was against Wichita State on Tuesday the 15th. The other was against uh, Northwestern State on Friday just a couple days ago. Um, Wichita was number 96 or that currently is number 96 in Ken Palm. They are now two and three. They were one and three when we played them. Um, wait a minute. No, they're three and two now. Sorry. Got that. Got that wrong. Uh, they were two and three when we played them and number 96 in Ken Palm. And, uh, we lost right 69 to 65. Uh, thinking back to Tuesday, God, I barely remember anything about this game anymore, especially with all the football stuff that happened this week. Uh, Brandon Rochelle led all scores with 17 points. 
I do know that uh, Curtis Haywood finally kind of woke up and scored. I, it wasn't a very efficient game, right? I think he was like three for 11 or something. I can't remember, but uh, he had 11 points. Joyner also had 11 in what was a more efficient game from him in terms of shooting percentage. Um, so, you know, it was good to see Curtis Haywood score because he hadn't really in a long time <laughs> so far this year, basically. Uh, so that was definitely good to see. Um, Rochelle putting up 17 against Wichita was awesome, but couldn't get it done, man. Ricky Council, I think, is a freshman for Wichita, and that guy was lighting us up, especially early. He ended up with 13 points. Alteric Gilbert, the UConn transfer, uh, put the pedal to the metal on us as well. 13 points for Wichita, and they the team, they were just too good, right? They didn't have Greg Marshall. We still couldn't get him. Isaac Brown, the interim head coach, headed out, uh, knew what to do. They looked fine. I mean, honestly, they looked pretty talented. And the big things against us here uh biggest one probably free throws uh actually they were very bad for both teams we shot 52.4 percent from the free throw line wichita fortunately shot 52.9 percent so it could have been a much worse game had wichita shot it competently uh but we didn't either so things kind of stayed the same there but certainly had a chance to tie that up late in the game had we shot a little bit better so that sucked um the other really bad thing that game was the last play of the game. We had we were down three or whatever, and then we fouled. Uh, we had a timeout left in this game, and Keyshawn Embry, I think it was, had the ball, and just like he was trying to draw a foul, I'm sure. I don't know what was going through his head, but we had time left. We had a timeout, and he just chucked it up from the three-point line, like diving into somebody, and it wasn't anywhere close, and then we fouled Wichita, and they go shoot a free throw or whatever, and that made no sense to me, man. I was like what ha- what happened here i don't know oh god it was so weird um but we lost that game uh wichita state improved they are now three and two number 98 in ken palm um and lost that game so disappointing loss uh to wichita and uh whatever you know so so we go uh we'll see i'm team looks pretty rough so far this year we got to get this thing turned around we did play Northwestern State, the Demons, uh, on Friday. We were supposed to play them in football this year, fun fact, in the FCS, uh, but that game obviously didn't happen. Um, Northwestern State, number 305 in Ken Palm. So this one wasn't close, and it definitely should not have been close. So at least it wasn't. We won that 82-55. to I didn't watch this one. Matt, I know you didn't at least watch it live because uh, you were with me and we were busy. So uh, did you get to see any highlights of this or anything? Uh, no, I have been pretty much in a cookie baking coma uh, for the last two days other than like football. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I've been, I am, and I know, I know you didn't watch it live cause we were, we were together. So bummer there, uh, but good win, uh, 82 55, a win's a win. I'll take it. So Tulsa now two and three, number 96 in Ken Palm. Um, and we've got a big one coming up against Memphis on Monday, uh, tomorrow as of right now, when we're recording Memphis five and three. They're number 57 in Ken Palm, but honestly, man, I don't think they're that good. Uh, I know they have a lot of talent, but they continue to be disappointing. They beat, you know, they started off the season well. They beat number 59, St. Mary's. That's good. Then they go and lose to Western Kentucky, who's number 78. They lose to a good VCU team, number 53. But their other wins are just not good. They beat number 276, Arkansas State. They beat number 243, Central Arkansas. They beat number 357, Mississippi Valley State, 357. You know what that is? Literally the lowest ranking in D1 basketball in Ken Palm, right? Number 357. So they played the worst team, and they beat them, but, you know, it's nothing. They haven't 
really, yeah, it's not it's not a good win. Obviously, they lost to Auburn, who's who's good, number sixty seven, and then they beat number one ninety six Tulane. So we're gonna be like we're number ninety six or ninety eight right now, right? And so we're kind of a good a good test for them. And they've lost some of these tests like that against those level teams, like Western Kentucky, number seventy eight. They lost that game, so. We'll see how it goes, um, but I'm not terrified of Memphis. They're five and three. Uh, like I said, um, Penny Hardaway is over there doing whatever he's doing with his fancy shoes and stuff. But I'm not. You know, we beat them by forty last year, <laughs> and I don't know if they're much better this year. We seem to be slightly worse, um, but I think we can get it done against the Tigers tomorrow. Yeah. I was going to just like point to that game last year. I mean, I think Memphis is a lot of hype um, that hasn't been able to back it up quite yet. Yeah, agreed. And I want them to because it's good for the conference if Memphis is good. I want them to beat these teams. <laughs> They're just not doing it. And I don't know, man, the the Penny Hardaway era off to a rocky start for sure. Uh, I guess this is year two of his, but still off to a, is still the start in my opinion. Um, finally, uh, we've got some around the conference and this is just, I just, I'm not going to recap any games. Obviously we didn't have many football games to recap other than the one we just did. And then not going to recap any basketball. Uh, I did want to do a conference bowl roundup and just talk about the, the conference teams and who's playing in what balls here. So starting up at the top, obviously Cincinnati playing in the peach bowl, uh, new year six, they locked that bit up. Number eight, Cincinnati going against number nine, Georgia from the sec. That is going to be an awesome game. I am really, really excited about that. We'll definitely be watching. Obviously, we'll be pulling for Cincinnati. I want the American to get the recognition they deserve. This conference plays great ball. The more that we can prove it on the field, the better. So definitely pulling for Cincy over the Bulldogs. Um, and something I, I saw on Twitter from Fear the Wave today, This will the, the tweet was this. Um, this will be four straight years now of the AAC taking the group of fives near six ball spot with three different teams and that is the point of emphasis there three different teams uh four years straight of us taking the new year six ball it's not like we're a one-trick pony here it was ucf twice 2017-2018 memphis last year 2019 and then cincinnati um or wait maybe i had that wrong no that's right i guess yeah new year six it would be 2020 uh so cincinnati last year um or no god i'm a dummy cincinnati this year memphis was last year ucf the two years before that what's wrong with me uh yeah anyways three different teams ucf memphis cincy taking the new year six spot in the uh in the g5 right so that is that is awesome power moves from the american clearly again proving themselves to be head and shoulders above the rest of the group of five uh coastal carolina clearly had uh, an argument to make that they could have been there as well i think if cincinnati lost they would have gotten in over us um but they didn't, so Cincinnati gets there. Uh, the other bowl games, obviously, we've got us. We already talked about that. Number twenty-four, Tulsa, playing three and seven, Mississippi State from the SEC. We've got a seven and three Memphis team taking on five and three Florida Atlantic in the Montgomery Bowl. We have six and five Tulane playing six and two Nevada in the Potato Bowl, the best named bowl of them all, besides maybe the Cheez It Bowl. We have six and three UCF playing ten and one BYU in the Boca Raton Bowl, which is also awesome matchup very excited for that one for sure uh three and four houston playing todd graham in the four and four hawaii rainbow warriors and the new mexico bowl another one i'll definitely be tuning into just because i really want uh houston to take it to todd graham and the bows so excited for that and then smu would have played in the frisco bowl but they opted out and i think that bowl game got canceled i don't know if that got filled by somebody else but smu not playing in a bowl game 
And that is all that I had. Matt, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think that's kind of like the realm of TU basketball and football right now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. It'll be fun. Bowl season's always awesome. I'll definitely be tuning into as many of these as I can. I know a lot of families yep. have family stuff going on and whatever, but I'm going to, you know, as many as I can uh, stomach or get away with watching, I will be watching. So yeah, it'll be kind of nice. Like, well, I hope my boss or people don't listen to that, but listen to this, but like first bowl games tomorrow and work is kind of, kind of going to be dead. Cause most people are gone for the next two <laughs> week. And I'm just like, well, since I'm still going to be in the office, probably just have that on in the background. And I would be doing the same thing <laughs> for sure. Ball season's a magical time. Live it up. Okay. All right. Let's close it there. Um, if you like the show, make sure you subscribe to it. You can share it on Twitter as well. That would be awesome. Tell a friend about it. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Any of those things, uh, we really appreciate it all. If you want to support us financially, there are two ways to do that. You can find them both on our website. Just go to thegoldenhurricast.com slash support. And finally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at goldenhurricast. Uh, you can also send us an email, and that email address is thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Stay golden.